0: Hello and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya.
1: And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 101. Today, we'll be offering advice and ideas for teachers who are feeling frustrated or even burnout. We'll also share highs and lows from our teaching week, discuss some ideas in our Know Better, Do Better segment, offer a work smarter, not harder teacher tip,
0: And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things we are enjoying in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. And now comes the time where we talk about a high or a low from our school week. Carrie,
1: how's it
0: going? What you got?
1: Okay. Well, first I want to give a shout out and a thank you on behalf of both Tanya and myself to the Kodai Music Educators of Central California, otherwise known as KMAC. Uh, Yay, we just presented for them a virtual workshop and what a delightful bunch of music educators um, based out of Bakersfield. But we had folks from all over in the workshop, which was really It was
0: great. a lot of fun. And I, I'm just sad that I couldn't see them in person.
1: I know hint, hint, we'd love to come back. So anyways, thank you for all who attended. Thank you to KMAC for inviting us. We had a blast. Um, All right. So moving on. Um, I will say that this week has been better. (laughs) I feel like things things are sinking in a little bit as far as just like everyone seems to be finally getting in that groove. We're a third of the way through the school year, almost one trimester in um, and we're we're kind of there finally, like the feeling I would say normally happens like, you know, early to mid September, it's happening now in November, and I'm okay with that, because um, at least it's happening so the point being. um. Yeah, things have been good. I will share one specific high. So it kind of starts off as a low that substitute coverage is a major issue in our district. It's a major issue nationwide from what I understand. And it's a major issue in Title I schools such as mine, um, who might have a reputation for having a challenging population. All that to say, um, I had to double up on some classes this week. I mean, I was asked to. Um, You know, in our district, the policy is if you have to double up and absorb kids of a class, you do get the pay that the sub would normally get. So, hey, some extra money in my pockets, not so bad. And um, my classes are small enough at my school, sadly unfortunately but happily in this case that when I double up it's still not too insanely bad like I was around 30 for most of my classes um my first graders in particular my group that I was supposed to see had earned a fun free music choice day where they get to choose their favorite singing games and the beauty was that the other class they just went right along for the ride because they knew all the same singing games too. And, you know, this is the first time I've been able to combine kids in a long time because obviously cohorting last year, we couldn't do that. And so the joy that the students experienced when they realized like, Oh, you know, this song too. And like, everyone was just happily playing together. Um, It was really sweet because especially in my school where I have One of my classes in each grade level is specifically dual language and the other half is English only. Um, Our kids don't get a lot of interaction socially. And even though they have lunch and recess at the same time, um, they sit separately and then they generally play separately. And part of that is just language, we get that. You wanna play with kids who speak your language. Um, And so they they do mingle more as they get older. But especially in first grade, they're not mingling a lot. And it was so sweet to see them singing and playing together. And at the end of class, I had them lined up in their two lines ready for their teachers. And I had them turn and face each other. And I just said, you know, say, thanks for joining us. Nice to meet your friend. And they all waved at each other. And it was just like this heartwarming moment of like, we're going to be OK. We are. (laughs) We're going to be OK. It was sweet. Love it. Yeah. How about you, Tanya?
0: Oh, mine's a little silly, and I, that's how it is. Uh, so, I was um, at my traveling school this past week. And um, a little while back, I was at Old Navy with my daughter, and I bought these kind of ridiculous sparkly gold shoes. They're like vans, and they're just completely covered in gold sparkle. Love and that. I said, I'm getting these because that'll be a fun thing to wear on Fridays and kind of be like, oh, look here, it's extra sparkly time on a Friday. Um, And so, yeah, I've been wearing them, uh, but the last time I was at my traveling school, I did not, I forgot to wear them on Friday. And a few third graders were like, wait, where are your Friday shoes? You're not wearing your Friday shoes. Um, And I was like impressed that they like remembered and noticed. So this past week on Friday, I made sure to wear my sparkly gold shoes and the kids, they made comments and they're like, oh, you're wearing your shoes today. You're wearing your Friday shoes. So it's one of those things where I think that when I was a younger teacher, I kind of like maybe inwardly rolled my eyes at teachers who had like little kitschy things that they you know did that they tried to be known for and I just thought that was kind of silly or whatever however now I'm embracing that because you know we need to be able to connect with kids on all levels and if me wearing these sparkly shoes gives them a little thrill and gives us another place to connect then I'm doing it
1: that's cool I love it So today for our main theme, we really just wanna be real. <laughs> like for real, real. We try to always be real.
0: We're always um, real,
1: Carrie. We are. That's one of the things y'all love about us, right? You tell us this. Um, you know, this <laughs> has it been a hard year? It's been a hard year. And we're not gonna so much go into the reasons why, because we feel like we you already know. Um there are lots of other great um, you know podcast and, and people to listen to who talk about this and are talking about self-care. Um, I just want to mention, um, we've talked about this podcast before, the Cult of Pedagogy podcast with Jennifer Gonzalez, which I love listening to, even though it's a general education podcast. There's so much going on. Um, One episode I just want to do, I'll do an early coda, is recent. It's episode 179. She titled it, teachers are barely hanging on. Here's what they need. Um, And it's really geared more towards administrators, which is Awesome. Um, If you feel so inclined, maybe forward to your administrator, I was considering it, honestly, not in like a, hey, I'm I'm mad at you, so listen to this and know why, but because I know my administrator is always asking for feedback, so I kind of feel like, well, hey, here's some general feedback, not necessarily from me, but this is how teachers are feeling right now, and here's a really great, succinct understanding of it. But all that to say, it was also just great to listen to just for the, like, putting words into my head of how I'm feeling because sometimes I don't do the best at articulating my feelings. I'm a better writer than I am speaker. So anyways, just listening to that podcast was really helpful. So um, yeah, we're going to just talk about how we're feeling and then some ideas of What's keeping us going because we are still going we're teaching tanya and I are in the trenches right along with you I don't necessarily love that phrase, but we are, we are currently teaching public school music education, just like so many of you. And um, we're feeling it too, but we have ways that we keep ourselves going and keep each other going when we're feeling down so that's what we're doing today.
0: Exactly. And it's funny because it seems like a hot topic right now, like you were just saying, because I was actually going to mention the 10% Happier podcast with Dan Harris, because he talks to the author of the article that came out a few months ago about that feeling you're feeling is called languishing. Do you remember this? Yes, you've mentioned
1: it a few times.
0: So, um, and I'm not pulling it up right now, but um, anyway. Uh, 10% happier podcast. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, That's just been very interesting. I'm one of those people that I like to lean in um, and know more about, okay, well, how, what's going on with me and how can I be happier? Or how can I cultivate some habits that would lead towards that? And anyway, so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. So it's not all 100% self-care you know that you need to go to bed. You know that you need to drink your water. You know that you need to exercise. Um, All of these things uh, that are self-care that a lot of them are not necessarily very exciting. It's not, as people say, all about massages and bubble baths, but I am really just coming at this topic as a little bit of resilience, a little bit of know what you need personally, and a little bit of Here's some things who that have worked for us, kind of.
1: And to not sound cheesy, but finding the joy, finding the joy in what we do every day. Um, Yes, because without joy, we will burn out. Very yes, and we
0: will talk about that about knowing yourself as a teacher and cultivating the joy, joy, joy. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Okay. So it's that I'm really excited, actually, Carrie. It's going to be fun because I got some. I got some know yourself better questions for you. And uh, okay. So here's where we're going to start. We're going to talk about knowing yourself first as just a person in general uh-huh. and like how you operate best. And also, you know, what kind of things uh, do you need to know about you to do what you need to do? Okay. I'm one of these people that I often, if I'm going through a hard time, I don't know about it until a few months afterwards. I'm not always aware of what's going on. Um, it's hard for me in the moment to, to recognize that I am languishing or whatever term you want to listen to. Oh, we're going to have so many links on this one. This will be fun. Okay. okay, so Carrie, knowing yourself as a person, I just picked a few questions. And of course, I have to tell you that these come from Gretchen Rubin, who has a fantastic co- podcast called um, Happier. Mm-hmm. And she actually has some, Uh, products out. And one of them is a know yourself better journal. And every page has like a question that just kind of zones in on something specific. So I'm, I've picked my four or five favorites that I want to ask you. Okay.
1: And then are you going to share yours after you've asked me? Well, of course. Okay, good. I'm like, this isn't just one-sided. Okay, good. It's all
0: about (laughs) Carrie. It's
1: all about me. Watch out everyone.
0: Okay. Carrie, what did you do for fun when you were 10 years old? 10 years old.
1: Um what
0: was a fun time?
1: Yeah, so I'm thinking I was probably moving out of like Barbie phase cuz I was a big Barbie player, but I feel like I was probably moving out of that and more into more tween type of things, right? So mm-hmm. I believe that was right about the time we got a Nintendo. So I remember playing a lot of video games, a lot of like Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt, old school Nintendo, Tetris. Um, And I also I feel like that was the time I really started to get into like blast the stereo on full blast and sing along and pretend like you're on the stage at the Grammys um, when no one's looking because I was a latchkey kid, lovingly. And so I would come home from school and I would like turn on music and eat a snack and I would just dance around my house singing a lot. Um I'm an only child too, so I had to keep myself entertained. So, yes, I would say video games and music were probably my go-tos.
0: Awesome. That's so funny because um it's going to sound very familiar cuz I also uh when I was 10 years old I started collecting records and saving up my allowance to buy records when I was 9, and so when I was 10 years old, um I spent I spent most of my free time uh, listening to records and singing along and reading all the liner notes and learning as much as I could about the music I was listening to. Yep. Um, I love liner notes. I miss them. I miss lyrics on inside sleeves. I'm just, yes. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm dating myself. Um, but yeah, and I would sing along at the top of my lungs and get goofy. Um. And yeah, so that was like the thing that I loved to do when I was 10 years old. So this is something that, you know, we can remember things that you might have loved as you were 10 are things that you probably should be doing as an adult. Yeah. So, which is funny
1: because that's really one of my like ways to escape. I mean, I'm still, I still do enjoy video games. I am one of those people. Um, I don't spend a ton of time on it, but when I just really want to zone out, like I'll just play like Zelda on the Wii because it's like fantasy land and I can just get into it and it's relaxing and it's great. So yeah, I'm not ashamed to say that video games still play a part in my life, not as much as they used to. And then obviously music does too. There's nothing better than blasting the radio and singing at the top of your lungs, right?
0: Exactly. And you know what? This is something that we, as music teachers that I think we all know, but we don't talk about, singing feels awesome physically, right? Yeah. So-
1: And this year I went back to singing in my church choir. I took some time off, um, but I decided to go back um, for no other reason than just for me, not for the guilt of it, not, I mean, I do enjoy the social time. I do enjoy seeing some of my friends, but because it literally just feels good and it feels good to sing. And that has become a wonderful thing, especially this year. Um, I don't go every week because I know some weeks I'm just busy and I can't, Um, but when I can go, I go and I love it. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. awesome.
0: All right. Next question. Okay. Do you use clothes to transform your mood or to put yourself in a certain mindset?
1: 100%. 100%. Like if I know I'm going to have, can I, can I expand on my answer? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like if I know it's a tough, stressful day, I dress nicer or dress in an outfit that I just like really, really love because it makes me feel good. And just today, oh my gosh, I just showed Tanya because I'm resuming right now and I showed him. Um, I just got myself some flowery Doc Martin boots all in 1990-something Claire Danes, my so-called life. I have wanted these boots forever. I decided to treat myself not like I don't... Not that I'm promoting like putting yourself in a financial situation where you rack up credit card bills, but you know, if you have the means to treat yourself in once in a while do, because I'm so excited to wear these boots and I feel like they're going to put me in a great mood. And then on the days where I just want to feel cozy, then I dress cozy. You know, it's not about slumming it, but like sweaters and things where that's going to provide comfort to me, not just because it's cold, but also maybe I'm feeling down. So I, I give myself that comfort with my clothes.
0: Totally. Totally wow yes and your doc martens are super super cute
1: (laughs) i'm so excited
0: (laughs) yes i had a pair of loved doc martens that i remember the first time i went to europe me and my now husband um i trampled all over the place in those things they were not flowery yeah but they were my very favorite pair
1: i still have mine from high school but they were like the red ones they had like the red stuff and you can't buff those out. Like if no. they are like crackled, like they're so old, they're crackled, but I wear them occasionally just like for the fun vintageness of them and they still fit and they're comfortable. So there you go.
0: Exactly.
1: Okay, you, Tanya, clothes? Oh yes,
0: 100%. That's yeah. my, yeah, for sure. If I'm feeling like, okay, I need to like up my game, then I'll try to dress a little more nicely. Um, and then very, very much this ball um, my, I've just got like a uniform I'm wearing black leggings and a long sweater because I just, I'm having trouble feeling comfortable mm-hmm. right now, you know, physically yeah. comfortable and I'm trying to move. I'm doing a lot of movement things, especially with kindergarten through second grade. And I get really irritable when I am trying to move around and I feel uncomfortable. And so I don't like it at all.
1: Yeah.
0: It really ruins my mood. So yeah, I'm being very very deliberate oh and also when i come home i'm telling you like within the first hour that i'm home if i'm not leaving i'm putting on if if i'm not already there i'm putting on like leggings or even sweats and a concert t-shirt uh-huh and doing all my stuff like that because i need to be comfortable
1: yep i've got my favorite slipper house shoes that are kind of like hard on the soles so i can still like step outside if i need to and those are on immediately Yes. Take off Doc Martens, put on slippers. That's going to be my routine. It'll be like Mr. Rogers and his and oh, shoes. Totally.
0: Yes. Yeah, there you go. Oh. Okay, next question. And I know this about, I know which one you're going to say. So, but this will be fun. When considering the pace at which you prefer to work, are you a marathoner, sprinter, or procrastinator?
1: Wait, marathoner, sprinter, or Would you like
0: some more? just descriptions. So Mary Connors, they like to start early, work at a slow and steady clip, have a plan, you know, work over a long
1: period of time. Okay. That one, let's just stop that one.
0: Yes. I know. I know. I knew you were going to say that. Yes. I mean,
1: I will not, I don't lie though. I mean, there are times I procrastinate for sure. It depends on the task. There are things that I enjoy to plan out and I enjoy to do slowly. And there are some things I just really do procrastinate. And I, it just really depends on the task, I guess. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Yeah. But generally um, marathoner.
0: Yes. I totally see that in you. Yeah. Um, myself, I think I'm more of a sprinter that I work in quick bursts of intense efforts closer to a deadline, it's really hard for me to get motivated. If I've got a, a deadline, like two months, it depends on the task again, mm. but, um, I'm not good at like setting aside time to slow and steady work through something. And sometimes I'm a procrastinator. Um, I know it's, it's not, I if I could choose for myself, I would rather be a marathoner, but sometimes like Wait, waiting until it's closer to a deadline kind of inspires more creativity somehow.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: Like out of desperation comes ingenuity (laughs) for me sometimes.
1: That's true. Yeah, I mean these are my nightmares. I have nightmares. I actually just had a nightmare the other night, Tanya, that you and I were presenting somewhere. And it was the morning of, and we hadn't even talked at all about what we were presenting. And, yeah, and I okay, know it was inspired by the fact that we just presented for KMAC. And no, we didn't <laughs> wait till the day of to pre- to prepare it. We prepared it. But that's, that's, all, that's my reoccurring nightmare. Oh, no, be- I have that too. Yeah. Yeah, It used to be not being prepared for a lesson when kids walk in the room. I think the funny thing is I've moved past that because I can punch a lesson if I have to. It's not the best, but I could. Mm -hmm. But um, now it's presentations for adults that I have nightmares about.
0: Same here. Yes. And when we get close to... um, Teaching at CSU for Kodai levels, I have a lot of those anxiety. And yeah. I've done it for years now, but I still have this like you know, I have had nightmares of like, oh, it's Kodai levels day one, and I have not planned out and I haven't prepared all of this stuff for the students, and I'm just kind of having to punt. Yeah, yeah. that is that is my nightmare for sure. Uh, yeah, so,
1: totally.
0: I'm not that bad of a procrastinator, okay. even when I procrastinate.
1: <laughs> oh, you're not.
0: Yeah. Okay. Next one, this is an interesting question. Are you more motivated by competition or collaboration?
1: I want to say collaboration, but it really is more competition. I would say. Um, I'm not a great collaborator. I'm really not because I'm it's more of a matter of like I'll just do it myself because it'll go faster. <laughs> and um, I'm becoming more of an introvert as I get older too. So I don't always want to talk about stuff, which is funny that we have a podcast. Um, I just sometimes just want to just shut up and do it myself. So with that said, um, I guess more competitive, um, but the competition's more within myself, if that makes sense. Like, I want to do this because I know that I can do it really well, not necessarily compared to other people, but for my own standards. So I'm kind of cheating. I don't know that my answer is necessarily one or the other. No, that, that works, yeah. But I mean, definitely competitive too, because we all do it. We all scroll through Instagram and we all see what other music educators are doing, what other, in my case, moms are doing on Facebook. And I feel like, oh, you know, I need to do. We all do that. We know that that's a thing. Um, I try to keep myself in check with that. I think I do okay. I don't get myself in too bad of a downward spiral, as I know is easy to do. Um, but yeah, so definitely more com- competition than collaboration if I had to weigh one more than the other. Okay. How about you?
0: I, I really don't like competition.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, if something's competitive, I'm more likely to drop out completely. I don't like competing. I never have. I've never, I mean, I didn't do sports or I did sports for a short time when I was in elementary school and the whole competition factor just turns me off. Um, I just don't I don't like it. I don't think that means I'm an awesome collaborator, but I'm here for it. I love, I love collaborating um, and I love sharing and working with other people. I'm not awesome at it, but competition, um, not my favorite thing. I I would just rather sit out than it it doesn't make, it doesn't put a fire under me to go, go, go. If anything, it makes me want to just like leave. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So there you go.
0: I get that. Yeah, totally. All right. And here's my favorite one, because this is something I've been thinking about a lot um, because it's a hard one for me to identify, but I think I got some. Do you have any tells that reveal when you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed? So like a tell is an action that serves as a clue on whether you are doing good, doing bad, Do you have anything that shows up when you're under pressure?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, physically um, I get headaches and I know it's because you can see it now. I I crinkle my brow when I'm thinking too much and um, I grind my teeth and I clench my jaw. So all of that leads to tension and headaches. Um, I also get an eye twitch. I get one of those eye twitches when I'm getting really stressed. So it's all about tension in my head and my face. Um, So physically, that is something that happens to me. Um, But at the same time, I'm also, it's not that I don't know that I'm stressed. I'm not good at dealing with it. And I power through. And this is just one of those things I do, you know, not to sound cliche, but I just put everybody else's needs first. And so it's all about, okay, I got to make sure that I'm 100% prepared for school and what I'm doing there and then, okay, where do my kids have to be? And okay, what's going on in our house that I need to make sure I'm supporting with that. I also am kind of obsessive about order and neat stuff. So like, I can't go to bed if there's a lot of mess out, like shoes have to be put away, dishes have to be kind of done because it stresses me out to go to bed without those things done, but then it's a cycle because I'm stressed. So all that to say, like, I'll just keep powering through. And then oftentimes it'll be my husband who will say to me, you're not okay, let's talk about it. And it's like, okay. (laughs) So my tells are physical within me, but then my other tells are my husband telling me I need to stop.
0: Wow, well, at least we know that.
1: Yeah. 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 And I'm lucky that I have a partner who sees that in me and I do the same for him because I know what his tells are, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and we have that relationship and we've, we've known each other a long time. So we (laughs) see other things in each other that we don't see in ourselves, you know, exactly. How about you, Tanya?
0: Oh, this was really hard to think through because like I was talking earlier, I don't really know that I'm going through a stressful, overwhelmed time until I have perspective of time afterwards. So, but I have kind of noticed, um, yes, migraines are a thing in my life. Um, it's a common thing. It's, uh, I, hand, I, I have uh, medications that help with that. But yeah, if a migraine is happening, there's so many reasons that it could be happening. It's not just stress, but um, stress definitely plays into that. So there's that. Um, I notice I'm eating more chocolate when I'm stressed and overwhelmed. And it's just kind of an unconscious behavior that I'm like looking for it, reaching for it, buying it. Um, Chocolate is a thing that I obviously use to cope. Um, And then my physical environment um, is so cluttered when I am overwhelmed and stressed. And I am not exactly a type A personality. I am not like obsessive about order. I wanna be, it's not happening. Um, so, uh, there are certain things like dishes that's always going to be done. I'm not a fan of, of dishes, dirty dishes in the sink or that need to be like, that's an easy thing that I constantly keep up, but just general clutter. Like I'm looking around my office. Cause we had this presentation today and I won't say that it was extremely stressful, but it was just like busy. It
1: was. The and thing so, you do.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking and I'm seeing piles of mail and like books that need to be put away and and um the clutter gets out of hand and so yeah that's that's definitely a tell for me
1: i mean i'm the opposite if everything is neat and tidy that's almost a tell that i'm not well because i go into overdrive with that like before our presentation today even though you can't see the rest of my office in my zoom i cleaned up the office because for me if i see piles it stresses me out and that makes me feel worse so it's it's kind of a vicious cycle in that way but
0: oh i hear you i mean the pile stressed me out for sure but that doesn't mean that i'm gonna like
1: no i know and sometimes i wish i didn't care and i was like ah. but then i lay in bed and i go no i need to go pick that up <laughs> it's sad i know but i mean i think the point of that though like you said is to know yourself and i mean yes, you can strive if there's habits that are not healthy to change some of those habits, but also know that we're all different and we all deal with things differently. Right. And it's okay that I might deal with something differently than you do or my yeah. husband does. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the
0: point well, yeah, why. that's just part <laughs> of knowing yourself as a person. So, yeah. um, and by the way, I want to reference all these things that I'm like stealing from, um, I mentioned the Gretchen Rubin and that's where those questions came from. But also I am, I've been pouring through this book that I've had for a while now called Onward by Elena Aguilera. Um, I know Nissa Brown talked to her um, on a podcast not too long ago. Aguilar,
1: not Aguilera. Aguilar.
0: I'm so sorry. Aguilar. Not to and be
1: confused with Christina Aguilar.
0: There you go. Exactly. So yes. And it's, all about teacher resilience, and it's very specifically broken down into months. But in the beginning of the book, she talks about like a resilience pie, about knowing who you are, um, about what you do, like your habits, um, how you are, your emotions, and the context where you, where you are, yeah. right? So your environment. So um, the who you are is quite a large piece of the resilience pie. Because if you know those things about yourself, then you can like, you know, apply as needed, whatever you need. Um, So I had a couple teacher specific questions about know yourself as a teacher. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, What's the most fun you've had with a classroom of kids recently?
1: Oh, well, my first grade story. I mean, really, that was just yesterday. Um, We had so much fun. And even though it was a large group, it was 30 kids, which for me is a lot because I'm not used to that large of groups normally. Um, We had so much fun just singing and playing games together and getting to know kids outside of our comfort zone. So that 100% was the most fun recently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would say also singing and playing. The kindergartners in particular are just having such a ball. Um, But also this past week, I did have my second graders. Uh, do an assignment on Chrome Music Lab in Songmaker. And this is one that we did, I did for the presentation we did today um, where they had to finish Rocky Mountain High. And they were just so excited to be involved in that. And I loved helping them out, but not giving them the answers. And it was more challenging than we've done in a long time. And that was just really so much fun as a, like a facilitator of that activity to see them really digging in and doing what they needed to do to decode this rhythm. Um, I just loved that. Cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, as a teacher, if you had to teach any other subject, what would it be?
1: Um. Sorry, thinking. <laughs> Can I say drama or is that too close?
0: No, you can say drama.
1: And I don't consider myself a great actress whatsoever, but I just have such fun memories of drama class um, that, I mean, I would I would have to say drama, I guess. And if not drama, I would say English or ELA, um, digging into like literature um, and like themes and things like that, I think would, would be really fun with kids.
0: Same sis. Ah, on both accounts. That's I, I could be like a third grade and go. You took mine. She took mine. Okay. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where I'm living too. Um, what about repertoire? What do you think? Can you list like two top favorite kid songs? Songs that you've done in the classroom. What do oh you? Oh my love, gosh, love? You're two? Wow. Well, um, narrowing it down is hard. So no, it is. It.
1: Um. Okay, I mean, I'm probably going to say things that I've done recently just because they're going to be more um, in my head. Um... Oh, a hunting we will go, a hunting we will go. We'll catch a fox and put him in a box and then we'll let him go. I've been doing that with first grade. Um, so much fun. Then, you know, there's the picture book that has all the different rhyming. Catch a lamb, put him in a pram. Catch yeah. a bear, put him in underwear and they just laugh and they think it's so funny. Um, and then we do the singing game with that where they, they walk in a circle and a student and I are the box. So kind of London Bridge style. We catch a fox and put him in the box, you know, as they're going through the bridge. But then those students join the box. So the box gets gets bigger cumulatively as the song goes on and they just they request it every day they love it they think it's so much fun um and I'll just say I'll try to pick an older one then um I just introduced Alabama Gal just recently to my fourth graders um because I'm going to start getting into prepping tea ta tea, but um, it's that is without fail kids just love Alabama gal like (laughs) something about the tune and then obviously the dance now I will say this particular class was not thrilled about joining hands and sashaying down, and I know a lot of that is you know coming off of not joining hands and being used to those kind of things so I just kind of asked them to try it and once we started getting into the flow and the game was just kind of to that point where we were just moving and grooving and I wasn't having to like stop give directions stop give directions and it was just happening naturally they loved it by the end they're like can we do it again I'm like oh maybe next time so both of those songs I just feel like are songs that kids just love and because they love it I love it and it just makes it fun to teach and fun to do with them and we can just have that joy together
0: yeah awesome well mine are oh mine are similar okay (laughs) not exactly the same so I'll go younger first um it's so so cliche sounding but I tell you what I love London Bridge because it's one of those songs that everybody should know and yet when you introduce it to kindergartners who don't really know it um it's you know, the, making the bridge and trapping somebody. It's just such a joyful song and um, they love it. I still love the song. It's simple and it's joyful and they want to do it again and again and again. And yeah, London Bridge is just always a huge hit nice. um, and I, well, I'm not going to get tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then for older kids i'm actually gonna like and i haven't done this song in a while and i need to pull it up again because um i love it and i don't really use it because i don't have a specific pedagogical purpose for it but i love the song shady grove and i specifically love singing the song and playing guitar and having kids sing along and just singing it and i'm also going to get way specific on a variant because the one that Jill Trinka has in her books, which I've never heard anywhere else. And I've got to like, oh, you know, I'm looking up at my books here. But the one that she does, which is Shady Grove, my little love, Shady Grove, my darling, Shady Grove, my little love, I'm going down to Harlan. I, ah. li- I love that version.
1: Isn't that just because- how Jane Ritchie sings it too? Didn't it's
0: she? probably from Gene yeah. Ritchie. I,
1: I would think, yes. you know.
0: But usually we hear Shady Grove, my little love, going to Shady Grove. Shady Grove or something. Yeah, exactly. The Grateful Dead one.
1: Well, yeah, I was going (laughs) to (laughs) say.
0: But yes, I love the Gene Ritchie. Jill Trinka.
1: I mean, I'm not positive right. about that. I'm just guessing off. The
0: yes. No. I here's what I should have done is we sh- before we recorded, I should have like looked at my notes and made sure. So here you go.
1: Well, this I, is, we t- intentionally decided to have this be a very natural conversation, right? Exactly.
0: So this is me cold and messing up, so everyone can feel good about making mistakes. Because here we'll I link am.
1: Link to something awesome in the show notes. We'll figure out what that is later. <laughs> <laughs>
0: To something awesome. Yeah. So that's a little bit about knowing yourself. Now, okay, and like I said, I I'm fascinated by this topic, and I have lots of things. And this is the book that you need to read. Oh, I should give you this book, but maybe you wouldn't read it on your vacation because it's not. It actually is a fun read. It's called Burnout: The Secret of Unlocking the Stress Cycle.
1: Yeah. See, I know myself, and I'm not going to read that on a vacation. I first. know. I know.
0: I know. It is nonfiction. And it is by Emily uh, Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski, and they are twins, and they are both PhDs. Okay. And Amelia is actually a choral conductor. Oh, great. Yeah. I remember you Um,
1: you mentioned this book before. I know you. I have
0: mentioned this book before. I think it's been one of my codas for sure. Yeah, I, I have a copy of this book. But I initially listened to it on audio, which is awesome. But you know it's an awesome book when you want to get a copy of it after you listen to it on audio. Yeah. So anyway, this book is just so good. And really, I know it's nonfiction, but it's not dry, boring nonfiction.
1: Okay. Um,
0: they mix it up. But they talk about some lots of lots of things about knowing if you're burnt out or um how to help with that. But they talk over and over again about completing the stress cycle, which okay. is basically you need to do something physically, preferably exercise that helps you deal with the stress. So just because you've dealt with a stress, let's say you get an angry parent email and then you reply to that email and then the parent you know backs off and you have a productive conversation and, and everything's resolved so you might have dealt with the stressor but you haven't dealt with the stress itself okay so dealing with the stress itself is about like really getting it out of your body mm. cuz your body here i go again i'm going to quote a book your body knows the score the body knows it. your body keeps your stress mm. whether or not it's resolved your body needs to let go of it got it So what's your favorite way to exercise?
1: Walks and hikes. I'm, I don't love, um, well, I don't like running at all. Um, So yeah, if I'm going to do like any sort of exercise program or class, it's probably going to be more dance based, like anything that involves dancing, I enjoy, but um, I really prefer not to exercise in groups. (laughs) Again, my introverted side. Um, I just prefer to do things on my own. So whether it's go for a walk or I do enjoy hiking with my family. So it's not like vigorous exercise, but that's that's what I enjoy the most. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because then in my brain I'm not thinking it's exercise. It's more of a fun activity. But it is, especially in Colorado where (laughs) we have hills. Yeah.
0: And getting outside, they talk about, you know, getting sunlight, getting outside is a huge thing. Yeah. Um, You were talking about how your husband like lets you know about things. Um, My husband too. And he's like, you know, October is a hard month for you specifically, right? I'm like, is it, is it really? I think I say that every year. Um, And it has to do with so many things that are piled up in the schedule, but also the light Mm. and are, dis, are diminishing daylight hours and tomorrow ends daylight savings time. So it's yeah. a good thing to keep these things in mind. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, exercise. I want to love to run. I, I I like to run as long as I'm alone. Mm. And it's back to that competition thing. I really dislike running with pretty much anybody mm. because I'm slow. And when I say slow, I'm not talking, mm. I only do 10 minute miles. No, 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 no. I'm talking like I'm 14 minute miles slow. Mm. You can't even call that running anymore. I don't know what you could call that, but That's why yeah. I just say walking. <laughs> Let's call it walking, shall we? Um, it doesn't matter. It's only for me. And I just, I do not want to, I don't want to run any 5Ks. I don't want to compete with anybody. I don't want to be in a running group because that stresses me out. Because I'm thinking, oh, no, people have to wait for me or am I the last one or whatever? Um, I do like exercise classes because it's done. Yeah. Um, I need a plan. And if someone else provides that plan for exercise, I'm thrilled. And if I could just, I'm not a fan of like, let's go to the gym and wander around and, and do a bunch of stuff for two hours because- I just kind of flail about, and then I'm there too long. So I do have an orange theory just two blocks from my house. So it's a good solution. But when I'm there, I do not, um, I don't talk to anybody, and I don't look at anybody. Sometimes Craig will go with me too, and um, he'll be like, oh, did you see that guy on the treadmill next to you who was really going? I'm like, no, I didn't see him. I, on purpose, don't see anybody, and they don't see me too, right?
1: that's how that works, right? (laughs) That's how that works.
0: (laughs) So anyway, yes, it's important to complete the stress cycle and really we should be doing it like every day.
1: And I 100% am not good about this. This is something, this is a habit in myself. I want to change that when I get to the point where I'm feeling extremely overwhelmed, I cocoon. (laughs) I literally like, you know, want to just curl up and watch dumb stuff on TV and just tune out the world literally. And I need to get outside and, and that I know it will make me feel better afterwards. It's just a matter of getting myself out to do it. Totally. Yeah.
0: Yep. Um, And then lastly, I just wanted to include a little quote just because it's fun and cute and I didn't write it down. So I'm going to have to quick look for, well, I did write what it is, but, It's this idea that it's uh, from Ted Lasso, which I mentioned a few weeks ago. And I know a lot of people have been mentioning Ted Lasso because it really is an excellent TV show. And I am not a fan of anything, any shows related to sports. I never watched Friday Night Lights. I never watched like all the movies that are big, rah, rah, go sports Ball, ball, whatever, <laughs> yeah. Hey, the sports ball. They were at the bottom of the league, and then they ended up on top. And yay, not my kind of thing. But Ted Lasso is not really like that. I, it's it's just different. And you should see it, Carrie. You would like okay. it. You really would. So anyway, the Ted Lasso goldfish quote quote is um, he says to one of the members of the team, "You know what hap- You know what is the happiest animal on the earth?" it's a goldfish. And you know why? He's got a 10 second memory. Be a goldfish. Nice. And as I, the older I get, the more I am more like a goldfish that (laughs) things that have been huge stressors that caused a lot of angst. um, I tend to forget them pretty quickly, which is great because I feel this is how I can go on. Um, Not that everything happening is horrible, but just that if I really internalized all the things that happen and if I really like investigated them and thought through them and took a hard look at this, that, or the other, um, I could not teach. I could not have a career in teaching, right? There are some things that that happen that yes, I do need to consider and make changes in my teaching or my communication or whatever um but there's a lot of stuff that happens that doesn't have anything to do with me
1: yep yeah I will say I am definitely not a goldfish I'm the opposite I will let something you're an elephant I it it will replay in my head I will replay that conversation I will replay that interaction with the student or with a parent or whatever over and over and over in my head until it makes me physically nauseous I mean this is something I know about myself so can I share a little strategy that I have oh please yeah and I might have mentioned this before on the podcast but um so if i have like a negative interaction with a student um you know and it it could result in me having to contact the parent or family member and let them know what happened and our main mode of communication in my school is class dojo so i will send a class dojo message to that parent i will then like that same day in that same planning period if i can write three positive emails to other kids who are just always doing great and I will say, uh, yes, it's for the kids, but it's just as much for me because what inevitably happens is I get responses from parents and a lot of times it's, oh, that really made my day. Thank you so much. Or we appreciate you and everything you're doing. You know, parents don't necessarily go out of their way to tell me that, but they'll respond that to me. And um it it really helps because it just helps keep in perspective like yes there are so many negative and you know really difficult things going on but there are so many moments of joy that we're not seeing and we're not having the time to really get to celebrate because we're focused on the negative and that's just what we do because we always want to make things better um so that's one of my strategies is for every you know Negative, you know, interaction I need to have with a family member. Um, I try to force myself to have some positive ones, and that turns my day around. And then, you know, hopefully the trick will affect for the students as well. And then I really also specifically try to reach out to parents of a kid who in the past I might have had a negative interaction with. And then obviously things have changed, and that student's making better choices, or I'm helping them in a better way. Things are going better. And then I follow up, you know, whether it's a week later or a month later, and say, Hey, I just want to let you know your kid really been doing great. I appreciate your support. Thank you so much. Um, So I'm following up with those parents too.
0: And that is so good that you do that because I know parents probably, they get stressed out thinking, oh no, my kid is the bad kid, right? 100%.
1: Yeah. And I, I really try to look for those opportunities, but again, also look for those kids who are your kids who just always do the right thing. And we know sometimes those kids don't get recognized because we're so busy trying to help the kids who need more support. And that's important, but we need to see it from both perspectives. Right.
0: Exactly. Yes. Yes. Good, good strategy, Carrie.
1: That that works for me. It really does. And class dojo. I'm so thankful we have that system because it's so easy for me to write a message because we don't email is not, you know, a main mode of um, communication for a lot of my families, but class dojo is great because it can be a quick, quick thing.
0: Cool. That's so cool. Well, well, on that note, that's pretty much um, just what I wanted to like, you know, hopefully maybe there's some strategies or some things in there that might help you listener with um, keeping on, keeping on. Um, I know that, yes, the struggle is real. We're all feeling it. And knowing that other people are going through the same thing might help, but also knowing things that, that might help you overall to not feel struggling and burnt out might help. And um, be sure to look at the show notes because I'm going to drop all these links if you are like me and like to know more because that helps. Um, there's so much information out there. That's really good. Harley. And now it's time for our No Better, Do Better segment, where we consider a practice that we need to um, think through and make sure we are being uh, sensitive and um, advocates of all of our students. So, Carrie,
1: what do you have? This is kind of a No Better, Do Better slash Work Smarter, Not Harder. I don't know. Just a recommendation. It's something I'm trying to get into the practice of. It's just a simple thing. So... YouTube videos or I don't know any other types of videos, but definitely YouTube in my mind specifically, Um, you know, we use them all the time now with our students as a great teaching tool right. Um, I am trying to remember to use the closed captioning function of YouTube videos Um, I in my school population, I don't necessarily have any students who are hard of hearing, but obviously if you do, that would be an accommodation that you would provide. Well,
0: you might and not know it.
1: Well, no, okay, I take that back. You were 100% correct. It's it's an accommodation that I think is good for all, for all people to provide. And this is my point is that with YouTube videos, closed captioning is often right there. It's really easy to click on and it's easy to have. Um, but in my situation where I teach, I think more about my English language learners. And if you are like me, where you have a very high population, of one specific language so in my school it is Spanish um, and I'm talking about like for older <laughs> grades where kids are fluent readers in that language, um, it's really great to be able to turn on the closed captioning of video in their native language. So if I'm showing a YouTube video and I'm clicking on the closed ca- caption, the video itself might be in English, but it'll auto translate into Spanish. And it does go quick. I mean, obviously, we know captions go very fast. So again, this is definitely going to be for students who are, you know, fluent readers in their native language, so older kids specifically, but it's just a habit I'm trying to get into. and. No, not all YouTube videos are going to have that accommodation or have those captions available in multiple languages. But when you hit the little CC button and then when you go to like closed caption settings, if it says auto translate and you click on that. So many languages pop up oh, and yeah. obviously you can't meet the needs of all languages. If you have a, a school where you have many languages in one community. But in my particular case where it's the majority Spanish speakers, as well as along with English, a true, du- true, dual language experience. Um, just providing that little accommodation is something I'm trying to get in the habit of.
0: Totally.
1: So now it is time for a work, smarter, not harder. Teacher tip. Tanya is gonna share one today.
0: All right, okay. Um, I, I yeah, I say this, I know I say this. Here's something you probably already do, but in case you haven't um, something to keep in mind. When you make something on Google Slides or on PowerPoint or whatever, uh, make a master copy. For example, I for our presentation that we did earlier this morning, I had made a poison pattern game with a law tone set, but it was easy to put together because I really had a master copy of it. And initially I had made a Somi law. Um, poison pattern game with this. And so it's just nice to have like that skeleton and then you can just open it up and plug in what you need to plug in. I know people who are TPTers, if you have a TPT store, this is, your, this is what you live on because we are always taking those templates and putting other um, content and materials in there. So, you know, just something to keep in mind is is like have a folder where you have master copies of things that, you know, you're going to use for several different concepts um, and several different grade levels.
1: Yeah, that's a great reminder.
0: And now it's time for our CODA section where we share something fun we've been enjoying in or out of the music room. What you got?
1: Fun. Okay. Um, Fun, fun. I don't know what I would categorize this as. Fun. It's it's enjoyable and it's not bad. It's not torture. But I do have another education podcast I want to mention. So we've talked about cult of pedagogy before, and I just mentioned earlier. Here's another just general education podcast that I really enjoy listening to. It's called the PEBC Phenomenal Teaching Podcast. So PEBC stands for Public Education and Business Coalition. They're actually a consulting organization that's based here in Denver, Colorado. And I know this because we've had consultants work in my school before and I actually have a very good teacher friend who's a kindergarten what was a kindergarten teacher she was my daughter's kindergarten teacher and she has worked um a lot with pebc and she is one of like their collaborating teachers where if like people want to observe like people in the field they can go and observe her and she's really great at um you know the tenets of their philosophy anyways she was one of the first guests on their podcast so i remember once being with her and our kids were playing and we were at the lake and she's like oh you do a podcast i'm gonna be a guest on this podcast so i listened to her episode and then i just started listening to more and i haven't listened to all of them but they're just really great solid pedagogy things that yes even though for they're for general education so much can be applied to music you know we're not in a bubble um so anyways i'll link to it in the show notes but just a really great if you're looking for a podcast that's not necessarily music specific but just general education it's a really great one to listen to
0: wow you are so on point
1: oh no it's a great one when we had our 10 favorites or five favorites each that was like on the, I was it was on the cusp I wasn't sure if I was going to mention that one so I snuck it in today it's like yeah, my good for you yes
0: <laughs> very cool
1: all right Tanya and you
0: okay mine is definitely not related to any kind of pedagogy um okay,
1: fine do it
0: <laughs> just a guilty pleasure uh so I just finished the book last night. I was up too late. Uh, I finished Ready Player One. And oh my, I don't know why I avoided it for so long. I think why, I, okay. So this is a, oh, I guess kind of sci-fi fantasy book, more more sci-fi kind of. Um, and it is set in the far future, 2045, I think it is. Um, and there is a virtual reality called the oasis that everybody is a part of because um, life on earth is kind of not awesome because of climate change. Surprise, surprise. So yeah, if, if it's, I could understand it being too close to home, but they don't not don't spend a lot of time talking about the woes of the real world. Everything is a virtual reality. Right. Right. Um, And so there uh, is a quest that a lot of people are involved in because the person, the guy who created the Oasis, which is this amazing virtual reality world, uh, he dies and leaves an Easter egg somewhere. And all you need to do is find this Easter egg. But in order to find this, you have to be very well-versed in all of this guy's obsessions. And he grew up in the 80s like me. um, And his obsessions are early video games, early like D&D games, music from the 80s, TV shows, movies from the 80s. And oh my, I'm a sucker for a good 80s reference, especially if it's music. I am there for it. But Carrie, you have to read this because you will get more of the video games references yeah, that went over my head. I got lots of music references and movie references, um, but it was just so much fun. This book, so much fun. Um, it's a nerd fest for anybody who is like, oh, D&D, Star Trek, um, Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, anybody who is into all that stuff uh, and wants to like just mire in that world this is for you. Uh, I had avoided it because my husband and my son both read this book like three times. And I thought, well, that's probably not for me then because it's a little more sci fi than I want to go, right? But no, it was just, it's just a blast. Um, awesome. I, I read it in in four days, which is pretty quick for me during the school year, especially. Yeah,
1: yeah. that one I'll read on vacation.
0: You will enjoy it. I that will lend cool. it to you. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk.
1: If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. And we always appreciate folks buying us a coffee, so look for that link on our show notes and on our Facebook page. In our next episode, we'll be offering ideas and advice for student teachers. Until next time, this is Carrie.
0: And this is Tanya wishing you happy musicing.